Welcome to the Energizing India podcast, a program that focuses on electric vehicle mobility in India and how to bring about change to this sector rapidly. Our endeavor is to give a voice to the e-mobility industry in India through conversations with the key protagonists of the entire value chain in the industry. We are still in the early adopter phase of EV implementation in India, and it's the risk takers who are making all the difference at the moment. Vehicle manufacturers with the risk appetite to forge a new path for the industry, entrepreneurs building battery manufacturing plants and the charging infrastructure value chain, and early adopting consumers who are enthusiasts and who want to make a difference to our planet through the way that they live and commute. One of the companies that has taken on the largest risks in the EV space and through its acquisition of Reva has in fact also taken on the mantle of being the oldest player in the EV space in India is Mahindra. Mahindra Electric has sold over 32,000 electric vehicles in India. Yes, you heard right. There are over 32,000 electric vehicles on the road in India today. And these are just from Mahindra, who plan to sell over 500,000 electric vehicles in India by 2025. To kick off our new year, Energizing India podcast co-hosts Trivikram Apte and Sunil Bhambani speak with the managing director and CEO of Mahindra Electric, Mahesh Babu. This insightful conversation covered Mahesh's own journey with Mahindra, the company's plans to sell 500,000 electric vehicles in India within the next 5 years, and the fact that Mahindra is focusing these to be 3 and 4-wheeled electric vehicles. The journey so far with the challenges posed by varying charging standards and an ecosystem that has yet to evolve for electric vehicles, battery swap versus battery charging strategies, and finally how EVs can help provide emergency powers to homes as well. We hope you'll enjoy this conversation with Mahesh as much as we did. Mahesh, welcome to the program. It's my pleasure to join you. Mahesh, you are a Fulbright scholar and have completed leadership and management from Carnegie Mellon. After your postgraduate degree in engineering from Bitspilani, you started your career as a senior senior development engineer for Ashok Leyland and then went on to join the Mahindra Group in 1998. You're currently leading India's fastest growing EV technology companies with a focus on bringing disruptive technologies to the Indian mobility sector. You have been featured in the LinkedIn Power Profiles for 2018 in India and have also received Asia Ones India's Greatest CEO Award for 2017-18. Mahesh, yours is an exemplary journey of an Indian business leader. You have been to one of India's premier institute, the Bitspilani, and after to Carnegie Mellon University, to now leading a company. which is pioneering electric vehicle technology in india in many ways you are the face of all ev oems in india tell us more about your interesting journey i think what you said is kind of a face everybody sees i think my journey started off when i when i say when i born in a small city of vellore which is in tamil nadu my parents are uh, government uh, servants and i grew up like any other kid in india during those days so it's it's not a exemplary journey i would say i did my engineering in uh, initially in uh, uh, tamil nadu then did my post graduation in bets and so on so forth but it all started off with like a engineer trainee in ashok lel and those days in 90s used to be a very 
fascinating uh, mechanical engineering journey. So I always had a passion towards automobile, uh, something on uh, combustion to the wheels, the way the power is generated. And I always had a passion to reduce emission. So that's why I started my career as an emission development engineer. That's how I started. And then we were doing various emission, Euro 1, Euro 2, Euro 3. And then at a point you realize that incremental improvement are just going to be a regular regular life and then you need to do something different. That's where when the opportunity within the Mahindra group came to go and uh, work for a company called Mahindra Electric. At that time we had the Reva question. So I said I, I, I'm happy to go because when I moved in, uh, I was looking at a very big projects. I was looking after uh, platforms from three wheelers to XUV 500, which is uh, close to 5,000 plus crore uh, uh, projects. And then going and joining a 30 crore company at that time, anybody would not have taken an easy call. Most of my friends said, you are not doing the right thing. Uh, but somehow internally it said to me, there is something going to happen on electric because uh, the technology fascinated me. And uh, the societal impact due to the technology had an always, uh, um, what I would say, exploratory question within an engineer, what else you can do to achieve that? So I took up the challenge, went there um, in the last five years, had a wonderful uh, time learning customers, uh, learning customers what they want at various segments from three wheelers to cars to buses and many more. Uh, it gave me a very enriching uh, experience. Uh, and recently when we launched our Trio, which is an electric three wheeler and you go and meet uh, uh, somebody called Chaya in uh, in uh, Bangalore, she was a, a garment factory worker uh, earning 10,000 rupees. She every day has to get up, go to office, come back and then uh, um, her life was very, very cumbersome, I would say. She just bought a trio and then now she is one of the, what I would say, um, uh, change agents in society because Electric vehicles makes women to come and take up the role which men used to do in auto industry, particularly in three-wheeler automobile where gears and clutches used to play a role. Uh, now a woman can come and drive by wire because it's just an accelerator and uh, accelerator. And now she earns, she says, 45,000 rupees a, a month charging at home and two of her kids are now easily can be educated. So when you hear such things, it's more impact than me telling I've done something in Carnegie Mellon. Wow, it's it's fascinating. It's really fascinating, and 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 to learn um, about the, the smaller entrepreneurs, the growing list of small entrepreneurs in not just in metros but in the smaller cities and towns of India, it's very heartening to to learn about this, uh, Mahesh. You work with Anand Mahindra, uh, one of India's most uh, visionary business icons. He's taken the group from being a largely a fringe player to a central major player in the Indian automotive industry. What is it like working for Anand? Anand is more of a, what I would say visionary. Um, the first time I met him three years back itself, he has that charisma of attracting people. Uh, you will feel the aura if sitting in, in the same room. Um, how it comes, it's because of the behavior and they treat people. I think uh, the, uh, Mahindra group has a very high respect for individuals. Uh, 
a very uh, what i would say clear focus on corporate governance um, and hence uh, you will think that these two will actually um, cripple innovation fortunately in anand's office he always talks about innovation so having high corporate governance respect to people and having innovation i would say all these three are a very unique character of uh, anand and mahindra group and he always um, is always um, 10 steps ahead thinker um, he can think 20 years down the line which uh, we sometimes will uh, falter i would say example is in electric vehicle in 1999 we made india's first three wheeler called bijli and it was personally driven by uh, our chairman mr anand mahindra and he our r&d was busy making some other vehicle scorpio at the time bolero and many more we were too busy and then he went to a place called coimbatore got some people he has he was convinced that electric is the future in 1999 and then the bijli vehicle was made we made few vehicles even 2 3 years back the bijli was still running in vaishno devi picking passengers from the um, wherever you are getting dropped to the uh, place uh, temple and back so <clears throat> we had a lot of learning in that then the big investment came in uh, reva and so on so forth there are many examples one is electric mobility you can talk about tech mahindra you can talk about anything he has that uh, what i would say ability to motivate people aspire them to achieve our dreams it's not his dreams you will feel because you will have a lot of scope of uh, discussion exploration ideas to share and somehow i feel anand has helped me to achieve my dreams uh, than actually the group team so because he is a, a great leader giving federal um, uh, empowerment to people like me and many others and then that inspires so i get inspired by anand many times mahesh um, i learned that you hold two joint patents and have also won the mahindra group innovation award twice first for the turbocharged engine development program in the scorpio suv and then later for the development of the first common rail uh, rail suv in the scorpio crde you also were the project leader for the xuv 500 the first monocoque chassis based uh, vehicle platform in mahindra which incidentally also won 25 awards in the very first year so in particular you have gone from being uh, a diesel head ICE champion to now leading a pioneer pioneering EV company in India how did you come about that uh, mahindra group is very unique it allows you to explore your dream if you look at my journey in mahindra it's all kind of 8 years 8 years journey i heard somewhere 8 years is a very important year for somebody to switch careers uh, so i was in 8 years in ashok leland then joined uh, uh, mahindra and mahindra Eight years in uh, engines, uh, doing all the CRD, uh, first turbo engine, and all that. Then, if Mahindra wouldn't have given a dream opportunity for me, obviously the cycle would have been broken. Mm-hmm. But fortunately, within the Mahindra group, there is such a huge scope of opportunity given to entrepreneurs and the leaders like us. I moved from there to a completely new program called XUV 500. so which is a vehicle program so i moved from a power train to a leading a complete vehicle program uh, there and and again there it was a five year program 
Then next three years, I led most of the platforms from three wheelers to XUV. And then after eight years, again, you, your learning curve gets flattened. Then you look at what next in your life. Then when you lot next, Mindra Group has plenty. So the, there are many choices. Then you, you go and talk to your leaders like Dr. Goenka. And, and, and then they have a very clear rotation plan for people who perform. Then they give you choices. And then you pick up one which is very passionate. And I was very lucky, I would say. I, I got something on electric mobility. I know the journey is going to be tough. It's not going to be easy. But uh, uh, it gives tremendous satisfaction when, when you hear um, conversion of from a uh, fossil fuel vehicle to an electric vehicle. Uh, not only for the environment, but economical benefits, societal benefits, you see. I think it gives tremendous satisfaction from what I am doing. So, uh, Mahesh, uh, on a lighter note, can I then say that you're having more fun than the IC team at Mahindra? I used to always have fun. <laughs> when I was in IC, I used to have fun. When I uh, I used to do vehicle, I had fun. Today, I would say I'm having fun. I'm sure everybody who is doing their job is uh, enjoying and uh, relishing it to have fun in it. I would say I'm very lucky to have to be in a journey where... Um, we we are really enjoying what we are doing. I think it also ha- thinks about what people think. Um, whatever we do, I think if we do it with passion and with uh, complete dedication and involvement, you will feel fun. Um, so I'm sure in the group, in Mahindra group, there is no high tech or low tech. Everything we do, we actually enjoy everything we do because it's so involved, so passionate. Uh, it makes us to have fun at work. Uh, Mahindra recently launched the Mahindra Thar, the, the newer version of the Mahindra Thar, which is an ICE-based platform. D- when do you see such iconic platforms move to electric vehicle? See, I think we'll have to look at uh, mobility in a different uh, sense. So let me let me step back before coming to Thar. What India needs on electric mobility and what are all the priorities it has? Because uh, let's look at the challenge India is facing. We have a huge oil import bill. It's ballooning up to $100 million, billion dollars, and then we are going to create a huge problem if we continue to consume and increase mobility at the rate we need to increase to increase the GDP in India. So let's let project by 2030, it's going to double. Now, are you willing to spend from a $90 billion to a, another $180 billion for oil import? It's not going to sustain and where this oil are going to so many pollution this 180 billion dollar worth of uh, oil is going to get burnt in the country will it sustain we can't sustain it so it's not about today it's it's about ev journey is about what happens 10 years from now Uh, let's say by 2030 we'll have to create a scenario of 2030 without electric vehicles with a percentage of electric vehicles and then see who, what the country can handle. Now, as India, most of the West and uh, what I'd say um, in Europe and US, the mobility is achieved by a personal mobility. So you will have a 
850 cars per thousand in US, close to 900, and then even Europe is not bad. It's about 600, 700 cars per thousand. So the whole ecosystem of transportation is done by personal transport. While there is a public transport system available, but uh, the whole adoption is more towards cars. India is not like that. India is multi-model transport. 85% of the mobility sale, automobile sale in India is two-wheelers. 3% is three-wheelers, and so on. So what do we do? What is a priority sector? Uh, because Globally, um, EV needs financial, fiscal, and non-fiscal support from the government. Now, do you give them for the priority sectors of two, three wheelers and public transport? Because they are the one who are running more. They are the one who can be converted to electric and made economically viable because they are running more because the operation cost of electric vehicle is low. Or do we go and look at personal vehicle conversion first? If you ask me. As a responsible citizen of India, India doesn't need personal electric car electrification conversion mm. immediately on priority. If it happens, it's good. Nobody is going to say no. But the priority is needed in two wheelers, three wheelers, public transport, shared cars, buses, even railways. I've started on um, doing electrification because these are all the areas which are actively running. Because your car and my car is running twenty kilometer a day. Whereas the Ola Uber car is running 200 kilometers a day, so if you convert a 200 kilometer car into electric, it has more impact on society, environment, and uh, oil bill, everything, and hence we'll have to do priority. So, having said that, will this personal segment cars will be will not become electric? Of course, it will become electric. Our priority would um, uh, be skewed towards the segments which I said, and then the personal cars will come. Now, Thar is an iconic brand. It's it's the I would say it's it's the epitome of how India has come from let's say independence till now versus how the people have moved. So it's still a cult brand. I would say the one everybody wants to have it. Now it has been always a diesel. Now you can see diesel, petrol, manual, automatic. earlier it used to be only manual so we have moved from the new gen into automatic so i'm sure going forward when you say 2030 30, almost 30 40% of the cars have to be um, electrified obviously you will see most of the vehicles yeah and uh, it's done quite well i have to say mahindra thar has already garnered about 20000 bookings in the very first one month itself so uh, it's quite i have to agree it's quite a cult brand uh Mahindra completed the acquisition. So going back into into uh, a little into the history of Mahindra Electric. So Mahindra completed the acquisition of uh, the Reva Electric Company back in two thousand and ten, and then further went on to launch the electric hatchback E two O in two thousand and thirteen. Today, Mahindra sells electric vehicles in different segments. Uh, you've got the E Verito, as the electric sedan, uh, the E Supro, electric commercial vehicle. and finally the trio which is the electric uh, three wheeler what was the basis of your acquisition of uh, the reva electric company back then and has that worked out for mahindra electric if you see it today so um let me share the experience and then probably um uh, we will discuss whether it worked on what objectives it met um so when we acquired reva the objective was to bring in a clean mobility car to india 
and till such time we had only lead acid cars and we mahindra as a company went in and invested in reva to bring india's first lithium ion car that was the e2o vehicle now we all know that when we launched the first car which is way ahead of time nobody even no auto industry was even talking about electric cars we know that it's going to be a learning and the uh, the important part is whether we captured the learning and that you will see when when i take the narrative forward so we did the e2o the e2o was ready by 2013 and then the government of india was supposed to come up with the fame scheme in 2013 so we prepared the car but the government of india scheme came in 2015 so all the investment for two years didn't pick up as we thought and then Uh, we tried many options in fact we tried uh, leasing batteries we tried many other things uh, to learn on the ecosystem i would say the learning of uh, the e2o uh, in the market has actually made us much mature to refine our thoughts on what products we need to make and how we need to make uh, and that came up in 2015 let's say we tried our best in 2015 and then of course we there are still passionate e2o uh, individual customers even today in bangalore pune and many cities uh, but the number is very few because everybody bought for environment not for any economics uh, and then we realized that we need to just getting environment is only an after i would say achievement but the reality is you have to make it economically viable so that's where in 2015 when i moved into the reva group then we looked at a different strategy we looked at electrifying mahindra products and so when i when i went there i looked at um, what is the core competence of mahindra reva at that time and now mahindra electric so the core competence was the ev technology okay and then if you look at the car competence car making competences with mahindra and mahindra and then we were struggling with the e2o Uh, you can't duplicate competencies you can't build a car making competencies in another entity when when somebody is there so that's why we took the electric verito supros and other products and we started electrifying and then it gave a very good result because we deployed them in fleet in large number and we proved even the e2os with four door by the time we came up with a four door all of them were put in fleet applications in bangalore we run about 1000 vehicles in bangalore and all of them have today covered about 250000 kilometers and their batteries are still intact yeah today i believe there are over 32000 mahindra evs uh, on the roads that have covered over 230 million kilometers your target mahesh is to put 500000 by 2025 what has been your learning so far with putting these 32000 mahindra evs on the road so that you are able to make sure that you achieve your target of putting 500000 by 2025 which is in the next 5 years yeah see uh, ev we need to work on the ecosystem i think selling a car is no more uh, a valid proportion in the market uh, particularly when you bring in with new technologies so we'll have to look at segments in which uh, uh, we need to operate and we'll have to look at ecosystem and all of them i, I think government is a very important factor uh even cities um mayors are very important factor you are um, charging ecosystem grid consumer behavior 
everything is kind of totally different because you can't get a new technology and fit into the current ecosystem and say now adapt it's not going to get adapted uh, so the main challenge till now is how do we uh, transform the ecosystem to the new way of living okay now <clears throat> let's take one example range anxiety is a big anxiety right now if i ask you when did you last drove more than 150 kilometers a day it will be like uh, one day in last one year or three days in last one year now why do you need a car which needs battery to protect that three days for the whole 365 uh, days you can do that west is doing it in you can have 500 km range car and parked it for 360 days and use it for 5 days it's possible for many other countries in india is it possible india has 1.3 billion people we have limited resources and we have uh, limited capex so what do we do so leaders like us have to think how do we adapt uh, acceptable investment to a what i would say perceptible application so on how do we change this perception how do we work with customers to understand okay you want that 5 days we will give you a scheme go and get in let's say zoom cars a car on that 5 days to drive 500 km is that acceptable maybe acceptable for some customers so this is what we need to work and maybe go to government and say you can't give uh, let's say $5000 incentive like europe or china uh, all that our government can give is about $1000 incentive you know where to give because now do we give it to private cars do we give it to uh, fleet cars do we give it to three wheelers that's what we have aligned government government is fully aligned telling that okay guys come i have limited resources go and spend your money on uh, uh, fleet public transport last mile connectivity and two wheelers which are the, having higher impact on the spend of the government pollution and so on so that part is aligned the charging and grid part is very difficult to align because uh, we just discussed about 50 kilowatt uh, chargers somebody believe i need 5 minutes charging somebody believes um, you need you don't need the charging so uh, we did a study for example let's say how does the world over charging happens 85% happens at home so remaining whatever is the 8 9% only 5% to 4 to 5% happens in fast charging remaining even if it is in public charging it's going to be in the ac charging but everybody gets excited when you say 5 minutes charging 15 minutes charging because you are seeing it from the current ecosystem you are going to petrol pump 5 minutes you charge and then you go i want the same thing in electric it's good to have but you have to reverse the ecosystem why did the petrol pump comes outside your home because it is combustible and it's dangerous so you can't keep it at home and hence you made a separate place and then you go there to charge then you come back quickly now why would you need 5 minutes charging because your vehicle is parked at your home like 6 hours yeah. and your electricity is right in your home so this needs mindset change it needs thought process change it needs ecosystem change 
and hence we need to work a lot the it's not going to be easy if i say i will have to put 500000 vehicles on road it's going to be like 500000 amount into number of years a number of hours of everybody's efforts in the ev industry to go and educate customers educate government work a pilot project look at like a lighthouse project and make an ecosystem to make that happen it's not going to be easy but it is achievable I, I completely agree with you, Mahesh. I mean, it's a it's a mindset change uh, which is which is required, and it's quite interesting to note because uh, on one of the earlier episodes uh, where we had Tarun Tarun Mehta, he also mentioned the same thing. He said, "Rain's anxiety is a very Western concept. It's not something which is applicable uh, in the Indian context uh, per se, and we need to look at how we can provide a very cost-effective solution uh, in India." In the last episode uh, uh, with Sulaja, she mentioned that uh, battery swapping is a very ideal solution uh, for India. On the contrary, Tarun mentioned that uh, probably it is not, and he was advocating fast charging. Um, but I believe it's it's about how the market matures and and what exactly is the concept that would work, um, whether it is in shared mobility, whether it's public uh, personal mobility. What really are your thoughts on on this topic of charge versus uh, battery swap? Okay, so see, both of them are very good um, candidate for uh, charge replenishment to a existing, let's say, vehicle or something like that. But we'll have to look at advantages and disadvantages of each of them. And uh, if you look at charging, it gives confidence to the customer that I own the whole vehicle. And then I can charge anywhere. So it gives freedom to the customer to select what he or she wants to do after the vehicle is purchased. And it is not tied up with something. Okay. Uh, having said that now, you need to then have charge stations like we said, uh, many more. And that gives customer freedom in charging that uh, uh, allows it to uh, give some independence to the customers. Like I told a woman driver, she don't want to even go to a, a petrol pump. Now she charges at home, goes. It gives independence, empowerment to things like that. In the swapping, it reduces the initial cost. So somebody buys a vehicle, you actually give only 75% of the cost of the vehicle or let's say 65% of it. But you are tied to somebody whom you have to go back. Right. Right. Now, how easily both of them can be scalable is their own merits. Right now, in not only in India and many places, charging is found very successful. Swapping had its own challenges. But having said that, India can still explore it. But we are not very sure how will you change that mindset of the customer uh, that I, I am tied up with only half in my hand, half with my service provider. And uh, tomorrow, if the prices goes up, then what would I look like? And tomorrow, if I want to resell, how do I resell? Uh, there is another big challenge. How will you finance? Which finance company will finance a vehicle without a battery? Then is there a challenge around it? I don't know. Probably we. Uh, so these are all the challenges which is uh, challenging the swapping. If we address all the challenges, it will become successful. The second one is at least charging has a standard. 
global standard. Swapping right now doesn't have any standard. So each one are having their own protocols uh, and then that is creating a doubt in the minds of the customers that if you have your own protocol, then I am tied up with you for life. If you give an open protocol like OCCP, like what is in charging, then at least I can now swap with you and tomorrow swap with somebody because it's the standard protocol which you are following. I think that is the one which is hindering the swapping or I would say uh, adoption in a very, um, uh, it's a, it couldn't adapt so fast like uh, charging because of these apprehensions customers have. Staying with Mahindra Electric's focus on uh, last mile cargo delivery, we understand that currently you're going with Bharat charging standards, which is uh, DC001. While the global majority of OEMs are basically moving towards CCS, what is Mahindra's electric, Mahindra Electric's position on, on this? See, actually we are part of uh, Charin, which writes the CCS standards in Europe. So we are one among the steering committee members, Not we are not even members. So we are a steering committee member along with uh, BMWs and others who write the standard in Europe. So we are very much for uh, CCS standard to come in India. The problem was CCS standard was CCS standard stops at uh, 100 volts. Mm. Below 100 volts, CCS uh, is now thinking how to handle it. Mm. And the vehicles which we had, E2O was a 48-volt system, E-Verito was a 72-volt system. It adapt, It needs a fast charging. So uh, we adapted the DC001. If you look at S210, the one which we are supplying to Sangyong or any other uh, high-voltage 350-volt system, above 100 volts, everything is a CCS system. So it's depending upon voltage. So if CCS would have supported up to 48-volt, we would have adapted from day one. Um, the CCS. Having said that, we represented two CCS in Europe, that uh, Charin team, and they are now looking at bringing it up to 50 volts. Mm -hmm. So they are looking at it, and uh, because their voltage standards are derived based on their application of cars, and nobody thought of three wheelers uh, like India. So we are the Indian representative. We are the only Asian representation in Charin at steering committee level as Mahindra Electric, and we are giving this inputs now, they are writing standards. Right. Uh, recent, one of your recent uh, keynote speeches um, in 2019, where you mentioned that 80% of the vehicles on Indian roads today uh, are two-wheelers. There's a massive amount of interest today um, in looking at uh, electric two-wheel mobility. You've got players like Aether, um, Hero having invested in Aether. You've got Ola now launching their own electric two-wheeler. And then, of course, you have got Bajaj uh, with the electric Chetak. What is Mahindra Electric's plan in this particular segment? See, Mahindra Electric or the Mahindra Group uh, has uh, not been successful in mass three-wheeler manufacturing, two-wheeler manufacturing. And uh, as I said, uh, all the capital allotments or the priorities are listed and two-wheeler right now is not in our priority uh, because of various reasons two-wheeler motors are totally different when compared to three-wheelers four-wheelers and buses motors uh, two-wheeler battery sizes or cell sizes have to be totally different than uh, the one which we uh, cars and uh, others are needed and hence there is a kind of while you call them as ev the technology is slightly different now, um, the priority for us right now is first mile, last mile connectivity. 
cars our which is our mesma 350 uh, platforms which uh, will power uh, electric cars in india and then that itself will take us busy till let's say another two to three years uh, then uh, right now at least uh, in the near future we don't have any plans on two-wheeler yes, there has been always a discussion that uh, ev is not picking up fast because of its cost and when the cost factor comes everybody talks about a battery lithium-ion battery so what do you think how how the cost will you know come down for the lithium in the coming years see this is very clear that anything which is researched anything which is invested the cost will come down so if you look at lot of patents there are workers going on in energy storage particularly lithium ion solid state and all so there are a lot of patents coming there investments are heavily going into lithium ion manufacturing whether it is europe china or us or anywhere and now india is going to start that so there is a lot of investment coming in so uh, when the investment come in and you build in capacities uh, you can't keep them you have to utilize them so when you want to utilize them I think you will have to look at threshold of uh, material cost in the cell versus what conversion cost and profit and that number is depending upon supply and supply and demand and it will come down to me soon we will see something less than 100 less than 100 a dollar a cell is going to be a reality soon okay uh, Mesh, uh, some three years back uh, you were on CNBC uh, electric vehicle uh, panel where you had CEO of uh, Nissan and you have Abhinav Kant of Niti Aayog where you mentioned that if we need to move fast transition from IC, IC to electric uh, government of India needs to step in and step in uh, in terms of support uh, in terms of incentivize subsidies now three years down the line do you think government of india has done enough on this i strongly feel government of india has done whatever it can do on both fiscal and non-fiscal side um, now whatever government does i think industry or any citizen is not going to be happy there is always dil mange more but having fair to the government are they doing enough from what they have I would say Indian government is one of a government which is doing much more than what they have because they have given a fiscal incentive FM2 scheme which is very credible for three years, green number plate, removal of permits, state-wise policies fighting each other or competing each other on uh, investment and uh, waiving of registration so on and so forth. I think they have created an environment where each states are voluntary doing add up to more than what central government is so i think the critical mass and momentum on policy has been achieved now we need to make this happen in the last mile i think even after all this if the adoption is not happening i think we need to look at why it is so is it the policy or is it the implementation of the policy because policy making is one and implementation is one and that is left to many agencies like state government is involved many uh, local city uh, mayors are involved i think if we implement all the policies right now in indian government i think india's adoption will be very fast absolutely uh, what is 
that one decision Mahesh wants that our honorable Prime Minister of India should take to see that this transition is fast. I think if he reviews every month what's happening, I think automatically it will happen. Great. <laughs> That's, <laughs> a great. That's a great one. <laughs> That's absolutely true. true. Absolutely true. And that's everywhere. Every month review is yeah. must. Uh, Mahesh, I remember back in 2012, um, Mr. Anand Mahindra had unveiled Mahindra Group's vision uh, for future of mobility uh, using the five C's, uh, which were clean, convenient, connected, clever, and cost-effective, as well as showcasing new technologies such as the sun-to-car, quick-to-charge, and car-to-home. Today in 2020, India relies heavily on non-renewable energy. Has Mahindra managed to bring about the disruption in the automotive sector, especially around sun to car and car to home? So, see, um, uh, we, we, we have said a lot of things during that time. So, what went to what distance, we'll have to see. Let, let's look at clean. Yes, of course, we have more electric vehicles today than what we said in 2012. The direction is clear whether it is three-wheeler and all that but ultimately we have 30 40,000 cars on the road and then uh, vehicles on the road and it's uh, going connected all our vehicles are connected there is a lot of work done on connected uh, uh, things like that so what has happened is the objective is clean connected convenient to the customers and so on so technologies like we recently in the auto expo displayed a solar three-wheeler panel in it. Now, there are a lot of technology we'll explore. These are all means by which we achieve the objective and they are individually looked at business viability and market acceptance. So, for example, V2G was needed in a micro-grid requirements where a car becomes a supply of balancing your peak requirements and then it can support the grid. Even now we are talking about it. Uh, but it needs a lot of work from the grid uh, uh, grid side than the vehicle side. Today, can we make a bidirectional charger in our car? Of course, we can make it. Now, uh, will the grid, grid be ready? I don't think right now Indian grid is ready for that and it may take at least three to five years. So when that is ready, obviously, we'll be ready to do that as well. So there are some, some technologies which we have achieved well. Some technology is still under exploration. This is part of new technologies. Nice to know. Um, Mahesh, post-pandemic, a lot of the countries are accelerating towards a greener economy. Uh, Japan recently took a decision, and of course, UK along with Norway, France and Netherlands uh, are planning to ban fossil fuel cars between the year 2030 and 2035. Do you think the Indian government should now take a hard stand? Of course, there have been quite a few flip-flops. Um, initially, they mentioned all electric by 2030, and then went soft. Uh, what what exactly are your thoughts in terms of a stand which the Indian government should now take? See, I think uh, India is a very democratic country and the Indian government is kind of an enabler than the dictator what we can do. So it's not like um, in other countries where you can say now this is what it is. But I think even in other countries what they have declared is... Uh, uh, what I would say, vision they have put it up in, uh, put up that that's what they want to do. 
Now, what does it do? It actually helps industry to invest. So uh, similarly, when Indian government said 2030, they want 30%, 40% adoption, there is a lot of disruption. The industry jumped, somebody jumped, everybody jumped. But the reality is there is a vision put up. So now what's happening, whether 2030 happens or 2040 happens, I think the whole ecosystem is shaken up. Now, there is a very clear direction that we need to move to sustainable mobility areas. Uh, so I think that vision is very important. You don't need a dictate, I would say. At least government should say this is our requirement. Then it will at least align the industry to invest. Okay, now we know by 2030 we need to do this. So we start investing. This is one way of another way of government leave is to market forces. Now, will market forces bring new technologies? I don't think so. Because then you need uh, really intervention like what uh, government did in LED bulbs, energy efficiency and so on. You need to intervene because uh, the existing uh, synergy or the uh, momentum is so high that it's very difficult to disrupt it by individual players. It needs to be a joint effort between government, industry, customers, and everybody. Right. I think it's equally important that with the uh, incentivization, the demand is something which has already been created in the market. But I think it's what we need to take care of is of the supply chain uh, part of it as well. Uh, Mahesh, it has been so interesting talking to you today and learn about your journey from being passionate about combustion engines uh, to today leading one of the India's fastest growing EV tech companies. Your views on leadership, future of electric mobility, shared mobility, last mile connectivity, and also making a social change um, has has really helped us. And 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 it's it's really heartening to learn uh, from you. Thank you so much for being a part of our podcast and being here uh, in the Energizing Studio. Thank you so much. It's my pleasure to be with you. Thank you. I'm your host for this episode, Trivikram, but I would not be here without the amazing Energizing India podcast team. I'm joined by Onkar, our podcast director, Ravin, our podcast co-host, and along with Sunil, who are the executive producers of our program. The Energizing India podcast is an Edor Digitron production, giving a voice to the EV industry in India. If you enjoyed listening to us today, make sure to follow us on whatever platform you're listening on, whether it's Spotify, Apple iTunes, or our very own portal, energizingindia.tv. Thank you very much and see you on the next episode.